What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The Law School of America. The estate tax in the United States is a federal tax on the transfer of the estate of a person who dies. The tax applies to property that is transferred by will or, if the person has no will, according to state laws of intestacy. Other transfers that are subject to the tax can include those made through a trust and the payment of certain life insurance benefits or financial accounts. The estate tax is part of the federal unified gift and estate tax in the United States. The other part of the system, the gift tax, applies to transfers of property during a person's life. In addition to this federal estate tax, many states have enacted similar taxes. These taxes may be termed inheritance taxes to the extent the tax is payable by a person who inherits money or property of a person who has died, as opposed to an estate tax, which is a levy on the estate, money and property, of a person who has died. The estate tax is often the subject of political debate, and opponents call it the death tax. Some supporters of the tax have called it the Paris Hilton tax. If an asset is left to a spouse or a federally recognized charity, the tax usually does not apply. In addition, a maximum amount, varying year by year, can be given by an individual, before and or upon their death, without incurring federal gift or estate taxes, $5,340,000 for estates of persons dying in 2014 and 2015, $5,450,000, effectively $10.90 million per married couple, assuming the deceased spouse did not leave assets to the surviving spouse, for estates of persons dying in 2016. Because of these exemptions, it is estimated that only the largest 0.2% of estates in the U.S. will pay the tax. For 2017, the exemption increased to $5.49 million. In 2018, the exemption doubled to $11.18 million per taxpayer due to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. As a result, only about 2,000 estates per year in the U.S. are currently liable for federal estate tax. Federal Estate Tax the federal estate tax is imposed on the transfer of the taxable estate of every decedent who is a citizen or resident of the United States. Federal estate taxes give very wealthy families incentives to transfer resources directly to distant generations in order to avoid taxes on successive rounds of transfers. Until recently such transfers were impeded by the rule against perpetuities, which prevented transfers to most potential not-yet-born beneficiaries. Many American states have repealed the rule against perpetuities, raising concerns that the combination of tax incentives and new legal rights encourages the devotion of vast wealth to perpetual trusts designed to benefit distant generations, avoid taxes, and maintain a degree of control over the financial affairs of descendants in perpetuity. One of the major concerns that motivate estate planning is the potential burden of federal taxes, which apply both to gifts during lifetime and to transfers at death. In practice, only a small fraction of U.S. estates is taxable, reflecting that exemption levels are high and transfers to surviving spouses are entirely excluded from taxable estates, but those estates that are subject to federal taxation typically face high rates. Taxpayers commonly arrange their affairs to soften the impact of federal taxation. The starting point in the calculation is the gross estate. Certain deductions from the gross estate are allowed to arrive at the taxable estate. The gross estate the gross estate for federal estate tax purposes often includes more property than that included in the probate estate under the property laws of the state in which the decedent lived at the time of death. 
the gross estate, before the modifications, may be considered to be the value of all the property interests of the decedent at the time of death. To these interests are added the following property interests generally not owned by the decedent at the time of death. The value of property to the extent of an interest held by the surviving spouse as a dower or courtesy. The value of certain items of property in which the decedent had, at any time, made a transfer during the three years immediately preceding the date of death, i.e., even if the property was no longer owned by the decedent on the date of death, other than certain gifts, and other than property sold for full value. The value of certain property transferred by the decedent before death for which the decedent retained a life estate or retained certain powers. The value of certain property in which the recipient could, through ownership, have possession or enjoyment only by surviving the decedent. The value of certain property in which the decedent retained a reversionary interest, the value of which exceeded 5% of the value of the property. The value of certain property transferred by the decedent before death where the transfer was revocable. The value of certain annuities. The value of certain jointly owned property, such as assets passing by operation of law or survivorship, i.e. joint tenants with rights of survivorship or tenants by the entirety, with special rules for assets owned jointly by spouses. The value of certain powers of appointment. The amount of proceeds of certain life insurance policies. The above list of modifications is not comprehensive. As noted above, Life insurance benefits may be included in the gross estate, even though the proceeds arguably were not owned by the decedent and were never received by the decedent. Life insurance proceeds are generally included in the gross estate if the benefits are payable to the estate, or if the decedent was the owner of the life insurance policy or had any incidence of ownership over the life insurance policy, such as the power to change the beneficiary designation. Similarly, Bank accounts or other financial instruments which are payable on death or transfer on death are usually included in the taxable estate, even though such assets are not subject to the probate process under state law. Deductions in the taxable estate. Once the value of the gross estate is determined, the law provides for various deductions, in Part 4 of Subchapter A of Chapter 11 of Subtitle B of the Internal Revenue Code, in arriving at the value of the taxable estate. Deductions include but are not limited to funeral expenses, administration expenses, and claims against the estate. Certain charitable contributions. Certain items of property left to the surviving spouse. Beginning in 2005, inheritance or estate taxes paid estates or the District of Columbia. Of these deductions, the most important is the deduction for property passing to, or in certain kinds of trust, for, the surviving spouse, because it can eliminate any federal estate tax for a married decedent. However, this unlimited deduction does not apply if the surviving spouse, not the decedent, is not a U.S. citizen. A special trust called a Qualified Domestic Trust or QDOT must be used to obtain an unlimited marital deduction for otherwise disqualified spouses. Tentative Tax The tentative tax is based on the tentative tax base, which is the sum of the taxable estate and the adjusted taxable gifts, for example, taxable gifts made after 1976. The tentative tax is reduced by gift tax that would have been paid on the adjusted taxable gifts, based on the rates in effect on the date of death, which means that the reduction is not necessarily equal to the gift tax actually paid on those gifts. Credits against tax. There are several credits against the tentative tax, the most important of which is a unified credit which can be thought of as providing for an exemption equivalent or exempted value with respect to the sum of the taxable estate and the taxable gifts during lifetime. For a person dying during 2006, 2007, or 2008, 
the applicable exclusion amount is $2 million, so if the sum of the taxable estate plus the adjusted taxable gifts made during lifetime equals $2 million or less, there is no federal estate tax to pay. According to the Economic Growth and Tax Relief Reconciliation Act of 2001, the applicable exclusion increased to $3,500,000 in 2009, and the estate tax was repealed for estates of decedents dying in 2010, but then the act was to sunset in 2011 and the estate tax was to reappear with an applicable exclusion amount of only $1 million. The Tax Relief, Unemployment Insurance Reauthorization, and Job Creation Act of 2010 became law on December 17, 2010. The 2010 Act changed, among other things, the rate structure for estates of decedents dying after December 31, 2009, subject to certain exceptions. It also served to reunify the estate tax credit, aka exemption equivalent, with a federal gift tax credit, aka exemption equivalent. The gift tax exemption is equal to $5,250,000 for estates of decedents dying in 2013, and $5,340,000 for estates of decedents dying in 2014. The 2010 Act also provided portability to the credit, allowing the surviving spouse to use that portion of the predeceased spouse's credit that was not previously used, for example a husband died, used $3 million of his credit, and filed an estate tax return. At his wife's subsequent death, she can use her $5 million credit plus the remaining $2 million of her husband's. If the estate includes property that was inherited from someone else within the preceding 10 years, and there was estate tax paid on that property, there may also be a credit for property previously taxed. Because of these exemptions, only the largest 0.2% of estates in the U.S. will have to pay any estate tax. Before 2005, there was also a credit for non-federal estate taxes, but that credit was phased out by the Economic Growth and Tax Relief Reconciliation Act of 2001. Portability The Tax Relief, Unemployment Insurance Reauthorization, and Job Creation Act of 2010 authorizes the personal representative of estates of decedents dying on or after January 1, 2011, to elect to transfer any unused estate tax exclusion amount to the surviving spouse, in a concept known as portability. The amount received by the surviving spouse is called the deceased spousal unused exclusion, or TSU, amount. If the personal representative of the decedent's estate elects transfer or portability of the TSU amount, the surviving spouse may apply the TSU amount received from the estate of his or her last deceased spouse against any tax liability arising from subsequent lifetime gifts and transfers at death. The portability exemption is claimed by filing Form 706, specifically Part 6 of the estate tax return. Whether the personal representative has an obligation to make the portability election is presently unclear. Requirements for filing returns and paying tax For estates larger than the current federally exempt amount, any estate tax due is paid by the executor, other person responsible for administering the estate, or the person in possession of the decedent's property. That person is also responsible for filing a Form 706 return with the Internal Revenue Service, IRS. In addition, the form must be filed if the decedent's spouse wishes to claim any of the decedent's remaining estate-slash-gift tax exemption. The return must contain detailed information as to the valuations of the estate assets and the exemptions claimed to ensure that the correct amount of tax is paid. The deadline for filing the Form 706 is nine months from the date of the decedent's death. The payment may be extended, but not to exceed 12 months, but the return must be filed by the nine-month deadline. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America.